With cybersecurity becoming more complex and the threats even more dangerous, knowing what to do to protect yourself can seem like an impossible task. That is until now. Welcome to the Cyberbytes Podcast, where we help you filter through the noise one bite at a time. Well, good afternoon. My name is Nick Sturgeon. I am your host. Thank you for joining me once again in the Cyberbytes podcast. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful Christmas break. I know I did. Got to spend time with my family, which is really important with everything going on. With COVID still, had my entire family back in under one roof which is really, really nice to, to have that experience. Um, and, and again, hopefully Christmas went well for you all. Got to spend time with your loved ones and friends and family. And, you know, we're in for this last episode of the year, and we are going to conclude this year with a special guest. Now, with me is a longtime friend, former colleague, and at one time, one of my bosses. <laughs> so, Dwan Neely, who I've known, going back to my days with the state police, worked with him when I was just a young sergeant with the water still dripping off my ears, and uh, got to work with him for many years after that, and then after I left state police, and he got appointed to CIO for the state of Indiana, got to work for him. And it was a pleasure and an honor to do so. Really glad to be able to call him a friend and as in his current role, which I'll let him get into a little bit more. Um, they're doing some really cool stuff with cybersecurity. I'm like, well, I've got to have Dwan on to get a chance to get caught up because it's been a while since he and I last chatted. But so, you know, Figured I'd reach out, and and he was very gracious enough to take some time out of his day to to come on the show. Dwan, how are you, my friend? Nick, I am great. Um, I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's uh, good to catch up with you. Like I said, it's we worked together for like you said, we worked together a while. All good times. So it's always good to hear a, a friendly voice and uh, and connect with you. And I'm very glad to be on. I feel honored and special if I'm going to be your, your last podcast of, of 2020 also. Yeah. I mean, kick it off with the bang, you know, just finish this year off and hopefully get into 2021, which is kind of crazy to, to say given everything going on this year, but hopefully with the new year brings some better times. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so how's everything? Like I said, it's been a while since we last talked. Yeah, um, you know, despite all things considered, what's what's going on in the world, health-wise, um, you know, and, and e- economic-wise, that that COVID's created, you know, we at the academy are uh, em- embracing what's what's thrown our way, and uh, you know, our mission of helping to transform lives and give give those that uh, have the you know curiosity or interest, giving them the, the opportunity to break in technology you know, top of mind right now, especially as folks search for, uh, you know, new jobs, if, if they've unfortunately been impacted by the pandemic and those jobs went away, or just looking for a more stable route for, for a future-proof job. You know, we're glad to be in the position to help folks do that if, if they choose to. So, 
we really embraced that throughout the pandemic in 2020 and uh, we, we've grown quite a bit. And so we'll back up just a little bit. So you're with 1150 Academy and have been there since what's going on a year now almost. Yeah. Veterans Day last year. Yeah. So just a little over a year. It, and, you know, as I mentioned previously, the uh, CIO for the state of Indiana and Spent a long career at the state <laughs> and a very um, great career at, at that. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. Appreciate that. Thanks for the, thanks for the kind words. And it's been 15 years there, almost to the date that I left. I'm very fortunate to have the, the experiences that I had there, especially being able to create a technology organization, help build it. And then, you know, I was, and then in the end, be able to run it as like a, you know, it's like a Hallmark movie kind of, but um, very happy to be able to do that. I was very happy with my role there. Um, you know, Scott Jones is a pretty persuasive individual, very successful individual. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a, a happenstance conversation about cybersecurity in general and, you know, how I could get the state connected to some of the things he was doing, um, you know, turned into a, a few more conversations around where he was wanting to take the academy and there was a lot of interest on my part, being able to experience the work of a not-for-profit, which speaks to, you know, a lot of the public service aspects that we had when we were at the state. Um, and, but then also to, to stay near and dear to cybersecurity, which I have a passion for, was kind of a, it's kind of a win-win and something I didn't want to look back on and say, um, you know, re- regret passing on that opportunity that those don't come around every day. Yeah, and 1150, and we've had Scott on the show in the previous format that it was in, but Scott, very smart, very, from a tech standpoint, especially here in central Indiana, kind of a legend in his own right with everything that he's been able to do and what he has done for the tech community as a whole and mainly goes to speak to the mission of what 1150 does. And so to have you in that capacity and to help them grow is, uh, I thought, you know, as a a friend of yours, I was glad to see that move. I hate to see, you know, such a talented leader leave the state, Uh, but you know, I, and I'm there, (laughs) I left the state as well. It it happens and everybody's time does come to an end at that, at that, you know, whatever point, but um, yeah, it was, you know, I was happy to see you go over there and knowing what, you know, through some, friends of ours, colleagues of ours that were also over at 1150 with the getting the cyber range um, spun up, you know, that's it's really exciting stuff. And being that workforce in cybersecurity has been an issue for, you know, number of years now, what you guys do there really helps kind of make a, a noticeable impact in, in that workforce development and shortage within cybersecurity. So mm-hmm. you want to, so first of all, okay, 1150 traditionally is a coding boot camp type of training. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't want to call it schooling, but it, it, it's a, a, you know, place where folks that want to go to learn to, to code can go in, in kind of this immersive boot camp yeah. philosophy. You want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly. Just so, uh, yeah, traditionally, you know, of, of almost seven years ago, the academy was created out of our founder and president's home in his basement, Scott Jones. Um, they started in the area of iOS application development because 
you know, Scott is always looking at how do we make our state, you know, on how can we put our state on the map in terms of technology? Um, we're we're under indexed in you know the number of uh, skilled tech workers as well as, you know, tech companies and tech growth. And so how, he's always interested in how to grow that. And at the time, he saw a shortage here in the Midwest of uh, individuals that knew how to design and develop iOS apps. It was all done on the West Coast. And so he said, hey, we can build that talent here. Let's let's start a training camp, boot camp, to uh, teach folks that want to do iOS development. And we can grow our own talent here and help grow businesses here in Indiana. So that's mm-hmm. how it started. He's been very strategic along the path now to keep the community and the employers involved. And so, you know, still to this day, private industry and employers sit on our advisory boards and and they look at what we're teaching. So now we're teaching uh, web development with JavaScript for front-end developers and we're teaching .NET in our software development platform for back-end, really because that's what we hear um, companies are needing here in our backyard. So that we really stay closely aligned with our employers here in central Indiana, where our headquarters is, downtown Indianapolis. Um, But as we expand to the other regions in the state, uh, we listen to them as well. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't have the exact same need, but we really want to make sure we take the input from the community businesses and what they truly need. Um, We really only want to teach what, um, what they'll be hiring for, because our, our main goal at the Academy is not to just, train folks in technology and give them the uh, the skills and knowledge they need to achieve an entry-level role in tech, our ultimate goal is to get them placed in that job. And so we measure across the board all our divisions on placements. And it's a success for us once our students are placed in a job. And that's probably been one of the biggest successes and, and kind of notches in your guys' belt is percentage of placement once somebody starts and finishes one of your courses is it's a pretty high placement rate from what I understand. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, uh, historically, if you look at, you know, from the inception, it, it hovers around the 70% placement percent, which is, you know, Scott always aims for, well, it aims for a hundred, you know, he'll set us a goal at 90, but being able to hit um, 70 consistently is, um, you know, a, a good run. Um, it's very, I mean, very um, good and commendable because looking for the word commendable, but uh, we work, I mean, we want to continue to drive that up and be the best at at that as we can. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those kind of chicken and egg scenarios to get businesses here. You have to have a talented workforce, but Mm -hmm. to really, you know, so, but does the businesses need to come? first before the workforce is there, vice versa. But regardless, you have to have people that are hireable and that can fit the needs of these companies to, you know, from entry level all the way up. That's one of the things I really like about the 1150 mission is in tech in general, you're skilling up individuals doing it. That's probably a lot more cost effective versus some of the traditional routes now. And I've, as I've mentioned before, I, I'm a university guy. I'm going back for my PhD. So it's not like I have anything against the universities. But I've long said that if you have a certain output that the universities can do, especially in cybersecurity specifically, and the demands there, if the output is nowhere near 
that close to what the demand is, you're never going to meet it. So you have to have other ways to get that output and they meet those needs. And the 1150 Academy is one of those ways that does that. And not only, you know, it's not just training, it's really teaching the, the skills that are needed and that flexibility that, you know, because of you guys have those advisors that are from industry there, you can meet the needs and be a lot more flexible than a traditional university route, which to get a new course into university, you know, it, it's a lot of bureaucracy. It takes a little time for that stuff to go through the approvals. So you have to do something uh, to meet those needs. Otherwise you're never going to reach that, you know, that point where at least from the, the needed skills where businesses have good quality people that are trained within you know, that particular domain. So, and that, that led to the whole cybersecurity, you know, thing that you guys decided to, to take on and, and with creating this new cyber range. So, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. So I know I've had Teddy um, Guzik on before, and he, I know he helped along with Doug Rapp get that kind of spun up and in the early stages, but how, how, are things going? You know, COVID hit. You know, a lot of jobs were impacted from the the shutdowns and and the lockdowns and all the social distancing orders. And we've we've seen a huge negative impact when it comes to the economy because of the the efforts by the federal and state governments to try to deal with the pandemic. Have you? I mean, let's talk about that. You know, what have you guys seen from you know? the the cybersecurity front and and how that is either helped or or negatively impact you guys and and what you're trying to do. Yeah, sure. So, you know, just to kind of cap off what you were talking on, um, you know, our our rapid training and keeping up with the demand, we all know technology moves very fast. And and as you mentioned, we're we're able to um, adapt and and pivot uh, very quickly using our, you know, nonprofit and, you know, non-accredited status, we can be a lot more, more flexible. And IT is one of those, one of those you know, occupations that is pretty, you know, it's pretty well, uh, you know, thought out and aligned to these, you know, certificate-based objectives. Each technology comes with a, a certification that you're, you can master it and you know how to work your way around it. And so it makes it, it makes it a bit easier to create a program you know, take cybersecurity, for instance, that we focus on uh, widely accepted credentials and certificates. For, for our program, it's CompTIA's Network Plus and Security Plus, which are two, two very good certs, um, two not very easy certs to, to get. But it does give our students, you know, credentials that uh, stand out on a resume and at least get them, gives them the, the base knowledge they need to step into a role, whether they did it before or not. And so, it really well aligns with our demographic. You know, the folks that have that come to us and that have come to us this year may already have a degree. Uh, they just want to do a career change, but they don't have another four years to do a career change. There's there's too much life in the way with family and you know other commitments. Or there's folks that just really need to get skilled quickly and and get into a role uh, and not be out of work for long. And so our our very aggressive full-time 90-day program, I mean, it, it, it hits you hard. It, it throws a lot at you. Um, and as you mentioned, Nick, it doesn't just teach you the skills. It teaches you how to 
how to hang in, hang in on a very, very tough program and, and give yourself some grit and determination to fight through um, and learn these things. And so teaching to the certificates helps us to really um, drive efficiency um, and, and just uh, rapid, rapid training through our immersion programs to, to get folks into work. And then lastly, I would, I would say also our nonprofit status helps us to look for unique ways to make that training affordable for, for all that need it. Um, we're able to partner on grants with folks, the, you know, the likes of Lilly and um, we're able to get grants from JP Morgan Chase and, uh, you know, Indiana Women in Technology, those, those types of organizations to help, help defer or, you know, help lesser the, the cost and the burden it is to take our trainings. And that's, that's a really important part of our mission and something I really enjoy being able to, to offer things at a reasonable price and make it available for, for all that want it. And so that's largely what we saw in, in 2020 here once the, the pandemic kind of was, you know, in its onset. And uh, the state of Indiana did a, did a great job. Uh, one of the first things they did um, once the uh, federal relief dollars were, were coming down um, is they said, hey, let's, we have a lot of Hoosiers out of work. Let's put this back into some of our, our workforce training programs and, and really help get these Hoosiers skilled in, in another trade and get them back to work somewhere else. If, if hospitality's down, let's get them working somewhere else. And so they, they really leaned in on that. And, you know, we saw the direct impact of that by more students wanting to learn a tech skill. And we grew, gosh, we grew a little over three times. 2019, we had about 360 graduates that, that came through the program or 360 enrolled. Um, this year, we, we hit just under 1250 enrolled, quite a bit of growth. And um, yeah, you can, you can probably say a lot of that was due to folks looking for a new skill um, that they were impacted or, or at least worried about, you know, what could happen if this thing continues longer or gets any worse. Um, and they were interested in, in looking for something in the tech field that they felt was a more stable path. Yeah. And as we've seen with work from home, technology has <laughs> even gotten more ingrained in to what we're doing, the demands. And, you know, you've been CIO to be able to support a remote workforce. It's a lot of technology, a lot of new systems, a lot of new infrastructure that takes people to run. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, you've got, it, it, at least from what I've seen from where I work, you know, full time, where in other areas may have been reduced, we we're looking for staff to be able to support. Yeah. <laughs> so being in IT in in this remote, you know, work from home kind of situation we find ourselves in is not a bad place to be. Because even the the technologies, the softwares, and those companies that are, you know, selling this stuff. I mean, so even though there's been areas that have been hugely impacted, you know, hospitality, their restaurants or hotels, a lot of the industries where in-person is needed. I mean, you, you draw your, you know, your capital, your cash from, from having that face-to-face contact. There's others that have picked up, but it, if you don't have that trained workforce, kind of makes it hard to get that that quick or you yourself if you're not trained in IT or or you know 
cybersecurity, it, that lead time, you know, it could be six months. It could be years depending on where you're going. So I mean, trying to find a silver lining within this kind of chaos and craziness due to the pandemic, I think to me, that is it. It is really kind of pushed people into, well, you know, I'm a hands-on or, you know, into doing more technical roles and that kind of paradigm shift of where we've been in this from an economy standpoint, still dependent on a lot of manufacturing, but have been doing a lot more service oriented type of jobs really kind of, to me, pushes the the pendulum over to that place where you know, you j- you've got to skill up or you're not going to survive, unfortunately. But thankfully, we've got you know, companies like and organizations like 1150 are there to help ease that transition a little bit. And again, it at a more rapid pace than a four-year degree or even an associate's degree. Still, really high-speed quality training, which is also important, you know, from an employer standpoint. But you know, from the individual, and that gives them skills to build upon because. Technology is not going to go away anytime soon. So, yeah, yeah, and and like you said, even if it's just a someone that's wanting to understand more about technology, have have more digital literacy, they can you know in our program in a very short very short time frame can find out if it is a good fit for them or not, and and how far they want to go with it. But if anything, if they decide not to you know not to do tech after this, um, we've at least given them a good foundation on digital literacy and they should uh, be able to keep up and understand, you know, future changes in in terms of technology that happen, um, whether they're in it or not. I'm a big tech guy. Not that you would ever notice with, (laughs) for the listeners, I mean, it's only cybersecurity podcast, but Mm -hmm. it's just, no matter what you do, having that literacy and understanding, I, I think it, is a great supplement to any other educational knowledge that you may have, whether you're you know, going into management or, you know, whatever other position you may be to understand what technology is, what the limits are, gives you a lot more have a better foundation to do business in general. It's not magic. I mean, there's a lot of IT folks out there that, are really skilled in what they do seems like magic at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think it, it helps in, in other areas when talking about risk or you're talking about, you know, implementing new technologies to have that intelligent conversation and not expect too much. I mean, technology does have its, its limits. It, it does wonders, but I, I, I just, I don't know with the age that we're in, people need to understand technology. Maybe not necessarily how to program, you know, Zoom or, you know, what mm-hmm. from the, you know, ground up, but understand, you know, the benefits, the 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 negatives, you know, the you know, drawbacks, the cybersecurity issues. You know, it's not just, oh, let's go out and let's buy this, you know, shiny blinky new toy, but there's potential risk that is being introduced because of that. Or, you know, there's the cost you know, is it really the right application that we need or whatever? So I don't know. Long story short, I do think it, it's important for people to have that digital literacy, regardless if, if they're going to be working in it full time or not. Now, hopefully, you know, if that's what they choose, you know, they can make a really good decision. And 
IT jobs tend to pay a little bit more than mm-hmm. others, just even at the entry level. So uh, obviously finances are always a concern. So um, and it's, it, it's a good career. I've enjoyed it. Like I said, just mm-hmm. anything we can do to help increase one's knowledge, build that human capital, regardless of anything that happens, you have that. Nobody can take that knowledge away from you. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox there. <laughs> no, you're, you're spot on. I'm right there with you. And yet you, you mentioned, you know, so cyber, you know, at, at the Academy mm-hmm. is, um, that started summer of 20, uh, 18, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it'll be about a year and a half now. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I still feel, you know, one thing that really sticks out to me that I'm trying to work on is, you know, we opened up, we talked about the academy being formed, doing um, iOS application development, and now doing .NET and Java. I I feel Mm -hmm. it's everyone resonates 1150 with, with coding, software programming, and it still kind of overshadows how great um, our cyber program is. And so I, I really want to work on getting that word out better and not let it be overshadowed because it, it by, by all accounts stands, you know, equally as impactful, if not more than, than what we're doing on the coding side. Um, you know, just, just a, a quick walkthrough of that program, you know, you have someone that may have a little bit of computer experience or not that wants to come and do cyber. You know, we take them through about 20 hours of pre-work just to make sure, A, it's, it's what they want to do and they're a good fit. And most of that pre-work is based on CompTIA's A-plus um, certification test. And so if they make it through that pre-work, um, they should have all the knowledge if they want to go take their A-plus and, and pass that. Um, but if they can get through that, then they'll get enrolled. Um, and then, you know, for our 90-day our course, we spend that first month all on Network Plus. And um, all the instruction and, and quizzing and, you know, hands-on testing, teach them how to crimp cables, you know, all that stuff and prep them for that mm-hmm. exam. Um, we're a we're a certified Pearson View test center. So students get to take the test, you know, when we were in person, right in the classroom. We do have some remote abilities now that Pearson View opened up uh, due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we get them through that and then we spend the next month on Security Plus. And it's kind of the same thing, just running them through the ropes, you know, doing study sessions around everything around that. And then that mm-hmm. last month is, uh, you know, not is, is more than just the icing on the cake. It's really the, the, the secret sauce, which is um, spending the, the remainder of time in a, you know, simulated network cyber range fending off actual attacks and we have 14 scenarios now that that they have to experience and mitigate and and not just mitigate then they have to do a you know a debrief and recap report on uh, what they saw what they did why they do what they did make sure they understand you know why, why they did that and and how to prevent it from happening again and that's everything from sql injection ransomware to man in the middle all those things you know most of the more common ones that you would see um in an environment it's really that that hands-on type of experience that um, they can take with them and and you know talk about and then it won't feel so foreign if if you know knock on wood hopefully don't have to experience in real life but if they do at least they'll know kind of what that feels like and be able to shepherd that team, the team that they're a part of through that. Yep. Now the, the cyber range that you guys use, you and I have a little bit of experience with the, the company, you know, back in 16, we went to Israel 
and visited the Cyberbit folks at their headquarters in Israel. So yeah. to to see, I mean, that was a trade mission, cybersecurity tech. So to see fruits of that labor and bring companies from Israel over here to do business in Indiana was pretty exciting to see. And um, so great technology, and even back then in 16, and I'm sure it's improved quite a bit since then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's like you said, Nick, I think it's a testament to our state. We have a great state from whether it's our, you know, political leaders and our, or our um, private industry folks like Scott himself. We just really know how to get things done. And like you said, we were on those trade missions back in, in 2016, um, you know, visiting the, the world's largest cyber conference, cyber tech there in Tel Aviv. And, you know, little, Little did I know, you know, looking fast forward into the future, not only would I be working at a place that has the the cyber range as we visited, like you mentioned, but, you know, also having our own Midwest version of CyberTech here in in Indianapolis, which two big kudos out of of those delegations focused on cybersecurity. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little biased because, you know, was on those uh, first two trips, but I think the foresight in and our governors at the time to to really understand that and realize those relationships take a little bit of time to to develop and and to see and get exposed to really that worldview because cyber is a world issue. It isn't just something that the U.S. deals with. Everybody's dealing with cybersecurity and and those businesses uh, that really punch well above their weight class over there. If you look at a lot of the outside of the U.S., Israel is second in line to producing some really, really cool cybersecurity companies. And, and yeah, it was an awesome trip to to go over there and to experience. And, you know, Cybertech as a conference was fantastic. And, you know, as I've, I've had Julia on uh, before and done a couple podcasts uh, from the uh, Cybertech Midwest conferences. So very much a, a fan of what they're doing and uh, look forward to the day we can actually have another in-person conference because it, it, it really does bring the spotlight on to the Midwest. And to go back to what you mentioned earlier, it's not just an Indiana thing. Granted, we're both, you know, a little bit, you know, favoring, you know, Indiana and, and Indianapolis. But when you look at, the coast, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in the Midwest when it comes to cybersecurity and even more so a lot of cool stuff that's happening right here in the Hoosier state. So for, you know, my little part, you know, and your part at the state, it's really cool to see those things, like I said, come to fruition and, and whether it's bringing in the technology, bringing in businesses from Israel to headquarter here in in Indiana. Um, yeah, I know. I just, I, I get, I just, you know, get the chest out a little bit and proud to, to have done that. And not only that, I mean, the, the delegations that you know were on really got to know and, and talk to, um, folks from Indiana a little bit better, you know, when you're spending, you know, a week, <laughs> you know, day in and day out, you know, traveling with folks. So it, it was a good experience. And I know our tour around the old city, um, Jerusalem was, you know, you know, really cool and is one of those nice shared experiences 
get to have with a, a small group of people, which yeah. you're one of. Yeah, absolutely. That's, those are, you know, once in a lifetime things, truly and good stuff. So the, so I know we got sidetracked there, but the, the cyber bit range, like you were saying, uh, for those that listen, that may not be super tech. I mean, it is a simulated network. It is as close to real life as you can get. Cause you don't want to be doing these things on a real life network. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, that could cause problems. Yeah. Uh, unintended yeah, consequences. <laughs> you either get in trouble by the authorities or, um, you know, the, the president and CEO of the company's network that you're <laughs> impeding on. So. Yeah. Uh, but the, as you mentioned, this was the secret sauce. It's because it's the experience that they're yeah. getting. That is the most valuable thing. Is that, a, a correct statement. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, I think we have the perfect combination of of really getting them base knowledge between the pre work for A plus, Net plus certification, Security plus certification, and then it, you know the best hands on experience you can get in this field. You know, since you since you like you said you can't just go out and do this on live networks. You know, there's things to prevent that. So this is kind of the next best thing to get folks at least exposed to what it's going to feel like, what kind of damage it can do, how, you know, how you need to think, react, be put on the spot to really uh, mitigate these things in a, in a timely fashion and, you know, not freak out and panic, those kind of things while, while you're doing it. Yeah. And I, I know when I was a younger pup and getting into IT, the one thing that I heard quite often was you just don't have the experience. And I, I still hear that a little bit. This really, to me, what excites me about uh, that program is this gives you that experience because you can't, as somebody going through, can come out and say, I have defended against ransomware. I have defended against or responded to a man in the middle or whatever type of cyber attack. That is huge versus, well, I've studied <laughs> what a <laughs> ransomware attack is or or I've studied what a cross-site scripting attack is. The f- fact that, I don't know, I mean, that that just adds a little extra that could be the difference in an interview. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like we tell our students, that, that doesn't automatically mean you're going to be hired in as the senior security analyst. It's still going to be an entry-level role, but you're going to have uh, a much better um, understanding and view and a leg up as you move up throughout the organization in whichever role you start in just based off of this experience and um, have better conversations uh, working with that team. Yeah. And, you know, as I was talking with my oldest daughter's boyfriend who is wanting to get into network engineering and cybersecurity and he's gone through and done the search, I'm like, sometimes you just, you may have all of these things or, you know, you may have a, a little bit of different experiences, but when you're coming in to an IT, you come in, do an entry level job. Sometimes it's just about getting your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And then once you get in, that's when you really add that value of that, you know, previous experience. And I don't know, it's just, sometimes we want to go for those senior jobs right away. (laughs) Uh, But sometimes, yeah, at least in my experience, unless you're, you know, you've have that trust built in with 
those, you know, other folks, you know, whether it's senior management or the executives, that's, it takes time to build that. So not everybody can go in directly to a senior role because there, I mean, trust is a huge thing and it, it, that takes time to build unless you already have it pre-established, which you could, I mean, that's how I was offered the the role with IOT and working for, for Tad and you was because I had had that, those years of experience working with the office of technology in my state police role. But again, Mm -hmm. that takes time. And, but you know, for those that don't have it, this is a great opportunity. And I said, entry level cybersecurity jobs as a SOC analyst, 64, 65,000. That's not too bad. (laughs) That's not too bad at all. I could tell you as a first sergeant with the state police with eight years on, I wasn't making sixty four thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my first, you know, my first role was just a, uh, uh, you know, the help desk support person was was not, you know, sixty four thousand dollars either. So yeah, um, you're yeah, you're exactly right. That's a very good point. And we and we try to help our students as they're nearing the end of our program, and we're working on getting them placed to help them understand, um, you know, the 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 market the job place and corporations there's a lot of culture there um, and like you said we encourage in the network um, networking is still ultimately your best way to find that role because that automatically gives you that trust if, if someone can vouch for you on the inside there but yeah if not then yeah you have to start sometimes it's just getting uh, getting to know the, the company or, or the culture and you can only do that by spending time there and and you'll eventually get to where you want and our cyber program, I think, does a great job of, you know, giving them the skills to eventually get that role. But if if it's something they don't get into right away, they've learned um, during Network Plus, they've learned a ton about um, computer hardware and networking um, that easily applies to desktop server support. The Security Plus can let them do, you know, those entry-level security analyst roles, uh, you know, reviewing logs and those things. There's There's plenty of opportunities along the way as they're working to that, you know, that Holy grail senior cyber role that everyone has envisioned when yep. they, when they enroll. You know, I, I took the A plus exam, I don't know, 16 years ago <laughs> and now coming up almost 17 years. And even the network plus you're talking about foundational skills. And this is the one thing that I, I talk about and kind of preach is, Really, to be a good IT person or good cybersecurity person, you have to have the fundamentals down, and mm-hmm. you learn those in A plus. You learn about those in Net plus, and then you start learning the basic cybersecurity stuff in, in Security plus. So, it, it really sets up for a success when you can understand, you know, how a, a motherboard is set up and how RAM works because. All of the malware, all of the uh, the attacks run on the fundamentals of what an operating system does. They take advantage of it, or and they communicate over the network. So if you don't know the basics of TCP/IP, you're kind of yep. you're already at a disadvantage. So yeah, that's exactly right. And and I think um, you know I think another. Something I'm looking to to hopefully do more of here in, in 2021 also is for folks that have that basic understanding, whether it's through you know the certifications or maybe it's through they've been working in a in a network support 
you know, network admin or desktop admin role, but haven't had any of the experience of, you know, fending off an attack, creating something for, for that population just to be able to come in and, and see what that feels like from that, from that hands-on so that hopefully they don't have to see it for the first time in, in real life when there's a lot more stresses and, and other things to be <laughs> concerned about. Yep. So, it, you know, speaking of, of the future, so we, Coming into to the end of this year, beginning of 2021, what's, you know, kind of the next, you know, six months look like for the, for 1150 and for the Cyber Academy? Yeah, well, you know, first off for 1150, it's, you know, we're going to continue to, to shoot towards Scott's mission of, um, you know, he has a mission of wanting to train over a million students over the next decade. Um, for us, that's, you know, 2028. Uh, we're already two years into it. So um, train over a million students. And that means, you know, expanding throughout the state. Um, the online presence will, will include us training folks from other states and helping them all to get placed in a career to where they can earn a million dollars over their next decade in, in the field of technology. And so from an overall mantra and growth perspective, that's that's what we're aiming to do. So we're looking to grow again in 2021. And the cybersecurity program is a big part of that. Like I mentioned, as I mentioned, that I think it's been overshadowed um, up to date or, you know, to date by the coding. But so it's really getting it out there more and helping folks to understand what they really get out of it and how valuable it is and, and just getting it get, just getting it out in front of folks and talking to it. Um, I think there is, you know, we're looking at partnerships with more veteran-based organizations. There's a lot of veterans that once they make the transition back to civilian life that are looking for, for things to do. And cybersecurity seems to resonate with uh, the military crowd, you know, more so than, than, than any other. Um, and so making sure they understand it's an option for that as well as, as they transition back and give them opportunities and then, you know, exploring more with, with our corporate partners on, on skilling up and training, you know, existing security teams, you know, and let them build it. You know what? What would be helpful for you to to skill up your your already existing teams and and let us see how we can help with that. So is any because I just I say almost a year ago now took over some offensive roles. Are you guys looking at doing any kind of red team training here in the future? I think yes. That's that's come up several times. Um, we've actually heard from uh, you know even a couple employers that would be interested in that. Um, what you know what we do today is we introduce some Kali Linux and Hack the Box as just a exposure so that our students know what that is. We we largely teach defense for for obvious reasons, but we do give exposure and. And some take a liking to that and some, you know, take that and run with it. And they say, hey, this might be a different way for me. So we make sure they at least know it's out there. But we've we've heard interest from from several employers now to where we can probably, you know, make that back end of the course specific for for students that, that want to get into more of that. Or if employers want, you know, specific skills from a cohort that they want to choose from when they hire, we can, we're going to tailor that. Nice. Yeah, it's a different mindset than the defensive piece and for an organization it can be extremely helpful of course other things that have to be there from a culture because it is it does make the lawyers a little bit nervous when you say hey we're going to start hacking our our networks (laughs) (laughs) you know but I don't know. It's different. It's one of those things I would, you know, just because of my background was always more defensive forensics. 
mm-hmm. but it's the the value is definitely there. And you know, if it's hard to find defenders, which it is, you know, good quality sock analyst to find really good offensive folks is even more challenging because uh, the really good ones don't stay on the market very long. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or they, or they have their own companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and having, you know, I, when I first took over the, the red team for IU health, I had to fill a spot and to find somebody to even come close to the caliber that had left the organization was really, really difficult. We ended up hiring internal for a few reasons. I mean, one being the most qualified candidate to, to apply for it. But even then that took, you know, six months to even get the training for this person, you know, where they could be up to speed to even start doing it, which is, you know, well worth the investment. Don't get me wrong. But that just goes to show that there's a real need for talented offensive, you know, the the you know white hat hackers, if you will, because I mean the really good ones, like I said, do not stay unemployed very long. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So definitely a market we want to you know start dipping our toes into more. You know, as long as it's meeting the needs of you know our area mm-hmm. area employers and industry. So awesome. Um, I know we're getting close to our hour. Again, want to be respectful of your time. I know you're very busy, the family there. Uh, speaking of family doing all right. Yeah. Family's doing good. Sorry if you can, if you can hear <laughs> no. them in the background. But <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I play Christmas time with a, with a four-year-old, you know, and it's, Vincent's our our only child, our son. Um, it's been, it's been an awesome one this year. Yeah, I prior to March, you know, the I think the image of the BBC interview where the kid comes storming in to the office, you know, it was kind of a faux pas at that point. By April, any of that kind of went out the the window. Now it's just at this point it's just kind of expected. It's you know, the, a lot of apologies even for me at the you know, the, the beginning of this whole pandemic now, it's just like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. You just got to get over it and foremost, everybody else. So. <laughs> yeah, it makes, it makes it kind of fun. I like it, you know, yeah. family, family involved. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's the, the impact hasn't just been on the workers. I mean, it, it's been huge. I mean, with the adjustments, I've got three daughters of various ages and seeing how this whole thing has affected them and e-learning because our schools finally were forced to go to uh, e-learning right after Thanksgiving. Thankfully, uh, science has prevailed and they're listening to, to science and have backed off of the, the original date of, I think it was the 19th when they were allowed to go back originally, but now they're, they're going back on the 11th which I think they could have gone back. They had the choice of going back on the 4th, but because of the holidays and stuff, they decided to do that short week at home and then come back on on that first full week of January to go back. And I'm telling you, because my wife is still working, being, you know, she works three days a week at her school. Uh, So being full-time, you know, employer or employee, 
you know, doing my, my job. And then, you know, also having to be teacher assistant three days a week, it's, I feel for the parents that were doing it in April of this year. Uh, I just finally got a little dose of that myself, but God bless the parents that were doing it. Yeah. Well, and just think about, you know, we're, we're talking about technology here. You know, you got three daughters. I mean, your amount of network support and device support has probably went through the roof, but imagine if you didn't have that skill set. <laughs> oh yeah. I, we were pretty good in shape. I, we upgraded to gig speeds a few years ago. Thankfully, AT&T got their gig internet here. So we bandwidth has been pretty good. There's days when I'm, I literally two meetings going, the kids were on, you know, their Google classrooms. Could see a little bit of latency starting to come up. Upgraded to Cat 7 and, you know, you talk about crimping. I, I wired my entire office, you know, so those skills uh, that I learned way back when uh, are still paying off even, <laughs> even now, <laughs> you know, that's, it's just, it's easy to be able to, and it's kind of a little, my just relaxing, you know, just sitting there with the cable, getting it in the, uh, the right color code and though a little bit older, it's a little bit harder to, to see than it yeah, was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but those, those are some skills. Uh, they, they stay with you there. So it's important if you're going to be in this and it not have to, I love playing tech support for my family, but it is also nice the days when I don't have to do it as well. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> Getting calls from the in-laws. Hey, my internet's not working or <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the one, which is, you know, a testament to cybersecurity mm-hmm. as well. You know, the, I moved most of my family over to, to Apple, which, you know, everyone has their opinion, but my support for the device has went down quite a bit, but my support now is more helping on preventing family from being duped by, by the scams and the uh, social engineering, um, the the cleverness and intricateness of just these scams today now are just unreal. And it's amazing talking to, to family and figuring out how do they get in this situation? Like what transpired? I'm just like, oh goodness. So that's most of my troubleshooting calls come from now. Yep. Yeah. I, I, same here. I get friends that call, hey, I got this email that says they've got my social security number and they've got and they want me to pay, you know, 2000 whatever, however much it is. What are, what should I do? Like, just, it's scareware. It just, they're just trying to get you, you know, scare you to, to pay it. And just thankfully that they've asked. And I, yeah. I hate to bother you. Nope. I'd rather you bother me for 15 minutes than, you know, be out, you know, even $100 or even $10. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. but you're right. The, the sophistication of that is unbelievable it's not that nigerian prince where the english is so broken and uh it's highly highly sophisticated and tailored in some cases uh, to the individual and and that's why i think the digital literacy the cyber literacy is is so important you know to have it's just it's a basic need if you will from an education standpoint you know if if it's hard for professionals that deal with it every day to discern the difference. 
I I can't imagine how difficult it is for those you know the you know average lay person you know non cyber person to distinguish between the two. Yeah, it's it's uh it's unfortunate and scary for sure. Yes, it is. Well, any other topics you want to you know anything you want to say before we kind of wrap it up for this episode? Um. Well, no, I guess the only thing I'd say is, um, you know, appreciate you having me on. Let me talk about the great things we're doing at our uh, academy. You know, we do free intros, you know, about four or five times a month. So, you know, if anyone listening is just interested in, in seeing kind of what we're doing or what we're about, we run about a anywhere from two to three hour intro where you can actually dig into some of the things we're teaching and ask questions and everything and get familiar to, to, to see what it's about. So just want to put a plug in for that, hop on and um, check us out. Yeah, and it's 1150.org, correct? Yep, 1150 all spelled out. So E-L-E-V-E-N-F-I-F-T-Y.org. Cool. And now, and you guys are on social media as well. They can follow you guys on Facebook, all Facebook, Twitter. Twitter. We have Instagram. I think we have Snapchat now. So um, yeah, we're, we're getting in all the spaces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gram as the the kids call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Juan, I I really do appreciate you taking an hour of your your busy day, especially after the the holidays, to to come on and talk. It's been awesome catching up. Uh, you know, like I said I've really appreciated throughout the years your friendship, your your counsel at times, and just all that you do for the state of Indiana for your years of public service and, and then what you guys are doing at 1150. I mean, it, it's really making a positive impact and, you know, and though in today's atmosphere, we really need to highlight all of the, the positive aspects and, and good things that are going on. Yeah, absolutely. Very appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for reaching out. It's good to get caught up with you. You too. And happy new year. And, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Happy New Year.